<laughs> Good morning and welcome once again. My name is Wayne, the pastor here at DCC, and uh, this month uh, we're going to be engaging uh, the topic of marriage and engaging this series together called I Do. And, uh, and this is something that is very important, and we care about you and, and want to engage you in this. And this month we're actually um, uh, offering a lot of great things to uh, to partner with you and pour into you. If you are a newlywed, next Sunday at 2.30 p.m., we're starting a four-week newlywed class, and so we'd love for you to join us. You can sign up for that online uh, or message us here. And then next Sunday as well, we're doing uh, starting our parenting conversations uh, before the services once a month. And so that's happening next Sunday called Thriving Families and uh, and then in March, I'll be getting a newlywed class, I'm sorry, a pre-marriage class for engaged couples. And so if you fit into that boat, um, let us know about that. We'd love to engage you there as well. And so, uh, but we just, uh, I want to take time to talk about marriage. And today as we talk about this, some of you are like, all right, well, I'm checked out. I'm not, I'm not married. I'm not in a relationship. But the, that's the interesting thing is this is actually a conversation for everyone, wherever you may be. And so all are invited into that. And so I encourage everyone to lean in this morning. And so as you may or may not know or haven't thought about it until now, but uh, next week, like almost two weeks away, is Valentine's Day. And so 10 days away officially. And so maybe you're making plans for that. Um, you know, some of you, that's a really, really important day for you, uh, that you love that. Uh, and maybe like you went all out at school. Uh, I remember as a little kid, I got chocolates for, as a sec first grader, I got chocolates and decided I was going to give it to this girl in my class, but I, I had no self-control as a first grader, and I ate half the chocolate before I actually gave it to her, and so I've never, from the beginning, I've not been very good with Valentine's Day, and, and so I think for some of us, it's really important, and so if, if you have a partner, if you're married or whoever, uh, your relationship, and they, they love this day, I think you absolutely take it very seriously. Um, an interesting secret uh, about my wife and I, we've, we don't, like, go all out for Valentine's Day. Um, and some of you are like, what? Like, how, you know, how can you do that? Well, I mean, that's just because every day is Valentine's Day in our family. Oh, you guys are too nice. That's so, it's so cheesy. And, uh, yeah, that's, um, uh, it's every week for us. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I think I love the idea of you pour into someone and, and celebrate that. That's important. And God does that, too. And so relationships are, God's made us for relationships. It's very important. And so uh, how do you go about that? What happens um, when you feel the weight of that? Like maybe Valentine's Day for you, you hate it because it's a reminder of what doesn't exist or what used to exist or what you hope to have like you wanted to be in the field, and it just kind of, you went somewhere else. Like the, there's just all kinds of mixed emotions in this. And so uh, I just want to bring us back to what God has called us to do in marriage and how, show us how he's, it, it came, where did the idea of marriage come from, and why is it so deep in our hearts? Well, he, he's given it to us. And so, you know, all are invited. All are invited into this conversation. But you decide. You decide this. And so you might say, I don't want to be married. That's not the goal. Um, or maybe you've, you've made a God of marriage. 
and, and you think that you're not right until that finally takes place in your life. That's, that's interesting. You may not realize that you've done that. Um, we've also seen marriage displayed, especially through the Christian church, as, as, as something that can be oppressive towards one person or another. Um, we've seen many examples of the church taking marriage and using Scripture to justify different positions, and, and we don't really like what we've seen. Um, and so maybe we've reacted to that. We've not seen great examples of marriages over the past several decades, and so we react to that, and we say, you know what? That's not what I want. And so we say, I like these parts of these things, and that's what we're going to keep, and we're going to put everything else out the window. And we've kind of done that, and I get that. I understand it. And so what, what was come, really come through to this is that the Christian view of marriage is just kind of outdated. It's not really caught up to where we are. And so even as Christians, for this subject, we typically look about anywhere else. But if you don't, like, and, and, and you may not even be thinking about this, but you're just influenced about a relationship, much less marriage, but that is a kind of under, underlying thing. Through culture, then. It's like, where do you go? So it's your family or your parent, your mom or a sibling and like, or, you know, uh, reality shows. That's a great place to go for marriage advice because like The Bachelor has a great track record of marriages, you know, all those different things. But that's, you know, we kind of joke about that. And but uh, but it, it really does influence us in fascinating ways. And so then it's like, well, where do you go? How do you do this? And so I want to I engage these things that you long for. I want to engage these hopes and dreams that you have. And I want to help you understand them in a deeper way and really help make them a reality for sure. Um, but what if it doesn't, like if we're lonely, uh, where do we go? And, and so I just engaging all that together, and, and I want to take us back to what God has shown us. And let's just kind of strip away those expectations uh, and then show us what God has said, who he's made us for, and all those different things. And I want you to decide. Now, this is up to you. And I want you to know that being single is amazing. Like churches, and depending on where you've grown up in, like if you have a church background, you grow, like some churches make this, a, like that's all that there is. And, like, you're not okay unless you're married. And that is not true. That is not true. And so this isn't a, a, a series about showing that you have to do this. No, there's nothing wrong with being single. In fact, there's places in Scripture that encourage you to do that. There's a lot of freedom that it gives you. If you're a parent today, you might be shaking your head with that. <laughs> like, there's a lot of things that. Um, but marriage is also a beautiful thing. Um, in the committed covenant relationships. Uh, and so I want to show us that. And, and understanding what marriage is and how God has made us for it and what he's made it for, like, it helps actually inform you and I as single people. I don't know why I said you and I, but it forms you as single people. I'm, I'm, I'm married. I have three kids. And so, um, but it, help, it is so important to understand, understanding what marriage is. And it's not just, a, you know, marriage is also a picture of Christ and the church, and we'll touch on that a little bit today. But God has given it to us as His image, and it informs you as you live out your life. 
And so this series is 100% for you. And it may even help give you some foundations that if you long to be in a relationship one day, that can help it be amazing. And so as we walk through these truths and these principles, I give you permission in this series to question me. You can do that. You can doubt me or to laugh at me if that's true. Like, I'm cool with that, mostly. Um, <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, well, sort of. Um, but all I ask is that you consider everything that I say and take me seriously. Because what if I'm right about these truths and principles? Because um, at the end of the day, you don't have to believe me. But what I'm, these are not my opinions. These are what we see in Scripture and what God has given to us. But I want you to consider everything, especially if something challenges you or goes against what we typically hear in culture. We need that. We rarely experience, you know, the push. But what if you walked away with something, one thing that impacted your life and your relationships that helped change things for you? That would be significant, and that would be worth it. So consider all of these things, and I encourage you to engage with us over the next month as we walk through all of this. And the reason I say all this is because I care deeply about you. I wrestle with these things, and I search this out, and I've, I've, I've sought this out for myself and understanding in my own marriage and walking through God's grace and, 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 and I've understood that it's helped me pursue these, these beauty in, in my marriage relationship and even when I was single and all these different things. And so I care about you a lot. I think about you. I pray for you. And I want you to experience these things. I want to encourage you. I want you to give you tools to go to God in his grace and his forgiveness. So let's pursue this together. Is that a deal? Does that work? Um, so the first thing is this. Uh, I'm just going to walk through some things of, of God, how, how, why God has given us marriage, I've, and that he, he's going to show us this. But I just want to almost engage the story of God and, and help us understand that because if we get to a place where God has, um, you know, asked us to, to engage in relationships in a certain way, well, why would we say okay to that? And so it's understanding who he is and his story for us is really the foundation of that. And so the first thing is this, and I'll put this up here, is that God has made you to experience his beauty. God has made you to experience his beauty. And from the very beginning, he was showing us this incredible beauty he's made us for, and it is in himself. And it's manifested in our world. And there's something in you and I, whether you believe in God or not, we see this in our culture that we know that there's a better way to be. Like we see that there's something that is right. There's a right thing to pursue. And so we get angry with injustice and we get angry with other things because there's something there that calls us to this moral center, this something that says there's, there's a, there is a beauty that used to exist. Even in your own life where you screw up and you regret making decisions and all these different things, you're like, man, you know, I long to be this. And there's a picture of yourself and you have goals for that. We see this, that we long to go back to that perfect beauty. And God made us for that. He made the world perfect in the beginning. And we'll get, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but we, we screwed that up. <laughs> we brought sin into the world and that's why we, ex we don't experience that. But even, you know, in the prayer that you know, Jesus gave us, he's teaching us to pray. He, there's a prayer that we, you know, he said, like, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we long 
to see that brought back. And so the reason this is so important is because from the beginning, we've walked away from this beauty where we don't trust God. We've taken everything that he's given us, all these amazing, beautiful things, and then we're like, you know what? I think I've got a better way. (laughs) And we don't trust his love, and we walked away from that. But what we were walking away from was life and love and, and the beauty. And to walk away from that is to walk away, walk into death and slavery. And what we think is freeing ourselves up actually enslaves us. And we just don't always trust his love and his beauty that he's made you for this. And he's been showing us this from the beginning. And so that's a foundational thing. In Genesis 1, 29, it says, Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit of the trees for food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And this is what happened. Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. He saw that it was very good. Good. We long for that. So Psalms 19 proclaims this. Psalm 19, 1 through 6 says this. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete, either eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. How beautifully written is that? God has made us for this beauty, and he's been showing us that. Like, I'm someone who loves nature and getting out in that. If you've known me long enough, you, you see that come out in things. And I, you know, whether it's going to the beach, I don't care where it's at. I just love to be there. I love that we live an hour from the shore here. And just being able to go there and be at the ocean. We discovered something beautiful several years ago when our kids were toddlers. We would get up early. We'd, we'd like go on a beach trip. And we'd be there, like, if we were staying near the beach, we'd just go out at, like, 8 or 9 a.m. because the kids wake up at 6, ready to go for life. And, like, and so you go to the beach at that at the time of the day, nobody's there. It's like you have this enormous private beach to yourself, and it's, it's beautiful. But I love that, just endless ocean, the sound of the waves. But I also love being in the mountains and just seeing the grandeur of everything and how enormous it is. There's all these infinite pursuits of this. Like even, I remember reading a Space.com article several years ago that talked about how we're just still scratching the surface of what we know and the beauty and how enormous it is. And it's more complex than we can wrap our heads around. And it's also perfectly in place. Like one thing's off just a little bit. We don't exist. Like our moon, like the earth and our moon, our moon is officially the fifth largest, last time I checked, in our solar system, unless they've discovered more. And, but, but it's the largest in comparison to the planet. It's 25% the size of the earth. 
And that's incredibly unique, and its distance is exactly perfect. And without that, we would not exist. It's, an, it's unbelievable, and it's like they're searching for this. We're sending all these satellites out. If you look into this stuff, they're trying to find other places where this scenario possibly might be, have life. But that enormous moon ratio is critical and important. There's just so many more things like that, and it's just amazing. It's amazing. Uh, last year, my son and I got to go on a hike. We've been planning for this. My family went to this place in Maine, and uh, we went to this, and we hiked up several miles. You have to, you know, to get to this place, it takes a while. You have to drive hours and hours, and you get up to the place where it is, and you drive another huge long drive in the middle of the woods to get to the beginning point where there's a campground and a hike, and then you hike about three and a half miles up a 1,000 feet or so in rocky terrain. And to get to this incredibly beautiful place, and it's just a pond surrounded by a cathedral of mountains. And my son and I were there. We were like, we want to be up there. <laughs> and so he and I went back last year and hiked to that peak and did this hike. And it's, you know, it's one of those beautiful places that is just hard to explain. And a video and picture doesn't do it, but I'm going to try anyway. <laughs> but this last summer, I captured a video of this spot and its beauty. So for about 45 seconds, let's just transport ourselves to Chimney Pond at Mount Katahdin in Maine. Here we go. Pretty cool, huh? This is in June, the end of June, beginning of July. There's actually a moon in the sky. I don't know if you may notice that. It's a little sliver. Uh, snow coming down. And this doesn't do it justice, as you can imagine. You have the mountain reflected in the, the crystal clear water. It's like a cathedral. And so my son and I did this hike, and we were like, we got to go up to these peaks. And so just to prove that we did it, we did it. <laughs> Um, and so here's a picture from the, from the top. And you can see the pond there. And it's just like, it's just a huge circle. And to do this hike, you go up that right side peak, and then you just walk around that, like, bowl. And it's, a, it's, it's not as long as we thought it would be, actually. It took all day. And then... There's another picture, just to flex a little bit, of us walking around. This makes it look like he's, like, one step from the bottom. Um, it's a little safer than that, I promise. Um, but you can just see that edge along the top, and that's the hiking route. And then eventually you find your way down. And it's just amazing. It's so big. 
and I love it. There's something in our hearts that we long for that, and there's a peace about it. We can, you can uh, put that down. Um, but there's a peace about this. And this speaks to who God is. Yeah, you can take it off the screen. Um, I'm feeling jealous over the kind of the, we're just going to leave it up. There we go. When, when Luke and I did this hike together, I talked about there's hardships that we pursue in our life and that the hike up is not easy and, and it's difficult. And the same is true for our hearts, that there is a hike of our hearts towards the beauty. And I just want you to know that it's worth it. And that as I engage you, I care about your heart. And God is the same way. He is wanting to lead you to your beauty. And he is longing for you to trust him. And so I've got a couple other points, but that's the one I want to spend the most time on, just to remind us of this. And so God has given us this beauty. And from the beginning, we've seen this. And he's longing to lead us to this, back to himself, because he is that beauty. And he's the greatest thing we pursue. And that's why this is the, the things that we sing on Sunday lead us to that. And we're proclaiming these truths. And maybe you don't believe that yet, and that's okay. And you're invited on that journey with us towards him. But we proclaim that he is the ultimate that we can pursue. And so then when it comes to relationships and marriage, the second thing for us today is that God has given us marriage. The idea of it and everything, and he's given us sex. He made it. As, as Christ followers, we believe that that he's made us this way, and that he's both of those things he's made us for them. And so he's made us to experience great beauty. And he's given us marriage. The idea of marriage, have you ever thought about that? Where did that come from? Well, it comes from our Judeo-Christian roots, like God gave that to us. That was his idea through his people. As you look to the scriptures, that's where it came from. And it's fascinating because even if we are not believers in God or Christ followers, we, many, many, many people long to have that kind of committed relationship. And so we see this in the beginning. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In Genesis 2, it says that, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so he made woman to be partnered with the man, and it's fascinating that he says, at last. And, like, he sees woman for the first time, and they're both, by the way, naked. This is a crazy scripture that we believe is true. And as he sees this, he says, yes, at last. This is bone of my bone and flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. And it says, this explains the scripture why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And this is key. This is a key scripture that Jesus himself references of how there is a uniqueness to, to the relationship, the, the, the committed marriage sexual relationship, that we are united into one. It's a mystery. And as God has made us for this beauty to be unified, and the church is the same way. He longs for us to be unified in him, that we need that, and the world needs to see that. And then it says this phrase, now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. 
notion. And it's significant. It speaks, we call this before the fall, before we, we walked away from God and we introduced brokenness and sin into the world, that we were, we were completely exposed as we are, unashamed, no shame, no guilt, no regret, no past, no hiding, no amazing profile. With all these filters and maybe Photoshop, no Zoom button that you press that cleans up your appearance. That was amazing. Let me introduce that. Like, we have all these appearances that we want to clean up. There was no shame. And it's this amazing picture of what it used to be like. And I believe that there's something in all of us that knows that. That you know that. And we long for that to be. And so I, I love to just sit on that, that they were, they felt no shame there. There's a I don't know, it was last week, I believe, there's a Saturday Night Live skit where a girl has lost her luggage, and it, they, they sort of pulled it off well, but it was, uh, but basically, she, like, on this trip she's on, she meets some guy, and they, like, they, they have all this chemistry, they fall in love, but she's lost her luggage, so she has to claim it, and she goes up to the desk, and to claim it, but she's lost her ticket, he's like, okay, well, I've got to verify your contents of your luggage. The premise of this is amazing, as a pastor, I love it. And so he pulls out her diary. He's like, all right, so to prove this luggage is yours, I'm going to read your last diary entry. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, I love this. Because it speaks to, like, our inner, inner self suddenly exposed in front of everyone. And she starts talking about this dude who's standing right behind her, and she's not sure about him. He might be cheap. He might be poor. And he's like, what? You know, he says this out loud. She's like, yeah, you... Well, you made me Venmo you for the $2 soda. And, like, and so, like, and, like, all of a sudden it talks about her bathroom issues and, like, other things that are going on. And, and, and so just this idea that suddenly every part of you is exposed. That's a nightmare. That's a nightmare. <laughs> but there's something in us that we hide. And how do we get beyond that? Like, we know that there's a beauty, but we've walked away from it. And so that brings us to the third point, and this is a really positive message for you today. But number three is we messed it up. <laughs> Sin has affected this. Because with everything that I've said about beauty, and we love to believe that, and we love that image, is that we live in a world that's not that, and it's incredibly broken. It's, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. And for many of you, I'm sure, like all of us in some way, we have experienced that. We've not been loved well. We've been hurt by others. We've hurt others ourselves. We have regret. But there are things that we long for that beauty, but we don't think will ever be there because of the brokenness that we've experienced. And, and, and for those that are in that boat, I am so sorry for that. And that's true, that there is sin that's walked into this world. But that's the beauty of Christ, that he made us for this beauty, but he didn't leave us there. He's not afraid of those, the brokenness that we've experienced, that he came to engage that. Philippians 2, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement 
from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being light-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And then he calls us to this in, in relationships. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Well, what is that? Well, Jesus, in his love for you and I, in our brokenness, how we walked away from him, he didn't walk away from us. He gave up everything that he deserved and the right that he had in heaven and being one with God and came down to us and made himself like a slave. It says he humbled himself to the point of a slave, becoming below us and sacrificed himself up for us and gave himself up for us. He knew that there had to be a way made for us to be made right with God and to be brought back to the beauty and be reconciled and be forgiven. And that is so key. And that's the next thing is that Jesus was this plan all along. Jesus from the beginning. And he gave us freedom to choose because he really loved us. And so freedom was, means that we decide. He made us for his beauty, but he let us go. And we chose something different, and we brought brokenness into the world, and the consequences of that are great. But he pursued us anyway. He didn't leave us there. He came after us and pursued us. And that's why we say every week that, you know, like that we, we're here because God is pursuing you. We love him because he first loved us. The love that we know in the world can only be given from him. And we think many times that God is selfish, but he's not. He's only giving. His only place is to give out love because that's who he is. He's not taking. He's only pouring out and loving you and I. And he longed for you to experience that, and he made a way for you and I to be redeemed. Ephesians 1 says this, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance, he knew we would walk away, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And from the beginning, he was going to send Christ to us to be a perfect sacrifice for the death that we deserve so that we could be forgiven, redeemed, and restored. And so he's made us for the beauty, but we messed it up, and we call that the fall, where we walked away from him. But he didn't leave us there, but he came to rescue us and made a way to be brought back and to be forgiven. Because make no mistake, whatever standard we set that God has for relationships and for marriage and for sex and for beauty, we've all blown it. And that leaves us condemned without a way to be forgiven. And so the commands that we see in Scripture are about trusting Him that His way is the best way, the best pathway for our life. And in fact, our, our culture today needs this, the redemptive story. That's always so powerful in any movie or show that you watch. We, we are so angry because we, we don't, we, we're, we're angry with God, but we, we, we don't believe he exists. And there's, there's a brokenness that things aren't right, and we don't have a way to make our way back to that. There's a need for forgiveness. There's a need for reconciliation. And only God is the one who can do that. 
he says, he's promised that no one can hurt you and, and get away with it. And he promises as to be a God of justice to hold them accountable. And that means we can leave justice to him. But it also condemns our heart because we've done the same thing. And that's why we need his forgiveness. And so when we love others, when we engage in relationships, we can trust God. And he's calling us to the beauty. These are the foundations that I want to start with in this series. There's a lot more that I need to say, but I'll say that next time. Let me end with this, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 10. It says, in the relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, God reigned this right. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Us, for, to be forgiven and to experience the beauty required a sacrificial love. And that's the picture of relationships. It's the hike of our heart. Uh, there's a, when we were on this uh, a trip recently, we were looking at rocks and minerals, and my, my daughter loves them. And, and we've been given this picture through counselors and others where you see a rock and its jagged ugliness. But have you ever seen minerals and rocks where the outside is that rock, and then the inside, if you just dig down and do the work, you suddenly find this incredible, beautiful mineral. My wife was sharing that with me, and we bought one to put up in our, in our house just to show us that sometimes the work to beauty, there's a purpose in that. And you are invited into that. And so as we think about marriage, <laughs> know that God has made us for it, and he's given it to us to show us the sacrificial love. And the picture of marriage is ultimately the marriage between Christ and in his church, that he gave himself up for her so that we could be united again together. And so our church here, we are essentially married with Christ, and we love and serve one another. God himself is the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a sacrificial love, a picture like a circle, that we learn to give up ourselves for the other, for the beauty that it will bring. So this month, we're learning that we can trust God and his commands for us. And you are invited in to the beauty. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much today for your love for us and these pictures and just the world that we see. But God, in that same moment, we know that it's been messed up. And we all have our own hurt from others and regret from ourselves. And I, and you did not come in to condemn us for that, but to take that condemnation for us so that we can be redeemed and so that we can experience the beauty. So I pray for us today 
that we would learn to trust you in your word, to know that that's true. I pray for our marriages, that we would learn to take the hard steps towards one another, to, to fight for unity because you've shown us that it's worth it. In our relationships and our friendships with one another, that we would, we would learn to work through our differences because our world doesn't know how to do that. Teach us, Father, to take those steps that aren't easy because we know that it brings beauty. I pray that we would trust it. We seek you together today in love. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.